Welcome back. This is your kind of well, kind of toxic host, Sarah Rittendale, bringing you another episode of Wellish. Emmy Tafelski, welcome to Wellish. I am so excited to have you here. Oh, thanks so much, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. I will go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Give me your title and what exactly you do. Sure. Um, I am Dr. Emmy Tafelski, but call me Emmy because that's much more friendly. And <laughs> I am a therapist turned integrative soul coach. And what I do is I help women who've suffered an untethering, shattering loss, reweave their soul into wholeness. And I do that with my four-phase process called soul weaving, appropriately named. Okay, great. What exactly is weaving a soul? What does that look like? Well, it's born from my own journey of soul weaving after my mom died. Um, and so what I realized was that with a loss that's that sort of shatters you and leaves you not knowing who you are in the world anymore, totally. it opens sort of a door to healing and sort of allows you um, to see more parts of yourself than you would otherwise see, right? Like it sort of just kind of throws everything up in the air. Um, and it, it allowed me to see like threads of myself that weren't, that I realized weren't mine to carry um, some like holes in my own soul's tapestry of like things that I had like cut off for my own survival over the years. So soul weaving is basically the process of first, you know, attuning to sort of this visual of like, this is my soul's tapestry. What are the colors that are involved in that? What are the shapes that it looks like? So it's a lot of internal like guided visualization where okay. um, you first learn what your tapestry kind of looks like. Sure. And then we begin to sort of like pinpoint like discordant threads. Like if you if you've ever looked at like a tapestry, right, like, mm -hmm. it, you know, everything sort of fits together and that makes a pattern. Right. So you might look at your own soul and see like this thread that's like brown or something like it doesn't fit the rest of the pattern. And so that might be a thread that we're going to look at. For me, one of the threads was a thread of disordered eating. Okay that I had tried to heal forever, right? Like my, I'm a big believer in my own healing work. So mm -hmm. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> this was a thread that like I had, you know, addressed in therapy. I had all the things, right? And, and after my mom died, I could kind of see that like, oh, that's a thread that belongs to her. Like that was never my thread. Like it's oh. a different color, but it's been, because she raised me, right? It was like woven in sure. the fabric of my being right but I didn't know that it was like I just thought this is you know part of me absolutely um, so then because like everything went poof, mm -hmm. I could say oh yeah and I don't want to weave that back in like mm -hmm. I'm gonna release that and let that go so I was able to heal stuff that I had never been able to heal before sure it sounds like souls become unwoven through, I'm sure it's not just lost. What other things, like how does a soul kind of fall apart? Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. I mean, I think of it like if the felt sense of it is like a shatter and someone else gave me the metaphor of like a mosaic that like you drop on the ground and it goes 
you know, yeah. all the pieces just scatter, mm-hmm. um, which I really like that as a metaphor. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, like, I think it's some kind of trauma or loss that disrupts your sense of self. Mm-hmm. Like, that disturbs the ground beneath you so much that you just don't know who you are anymore in the world. So it could be a loss. Like for me, my mom, it could be the loss of like a pet who was a, like a soul pet or like a very close pet in your life. It Mm -hmm. it could be the loss of your career or your health or your partner of 20 years cheats on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it sort of calls into question, like everything you thought about who you were and how you show up in the world is suddenly different. Is it possible that it could happen like a smaller events that happen over time? Or do you think it's more common that it's this one shattering event that you're like, my whole world just collapsed? Both are true. Okay, sure. <laughs> I think there's a certain, there's a certain, with a, a loss or a trauma that's so big that it really just like shatters you. I think mm-hmm. that it opens a particular like portal to healing, um, which doesn't mean that you can't, do that work in small bits over time. I I think also you can do this weaving and unweaving in small bits over time. Right. Okay. So what are the beginning steps to start reweaving your soul? You know, our culture doesn't make a lot of space for feeling feelings. Oh, it's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And particularly around loss, right? Like there's like a continuous message of like, just get back to business as as usual, right? Like you you should be- you should be over this. It's been like five days, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get what three days of bereavement leave from work or whatever. Right. Or even just a few months and you're just like, my whole world just collapsed and nobody wants to look at that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so we, you know, we stuff it down because we have to live in the world. Yep. Yep. So step one is like creating space for that, for creating okay. space to feel the feelings that okay. are there. And allow them to be and even befriend them a little bit, right? Which mm-hmm. which is really just allowing and accepting, like, this is how I feel right now. And it's okay to feel this way. So it's like step one is really just being where you are. What exactly does that look like? Like, what are some common feelings of an untethered person? My best description of it is sort of feeling like a leaf blowing in the wind. When the leaves fall in fall you know, they, they become untethered and then they just kind of float in the wind. Like they have no, no purchase, nothing to hold on to, no grounding, no nothing. And that's like the best description. Um, that's how it felt to me after my mom died. Like, mm-hmm. like I was just dust in the wind, just mm-hmm. floating with no, nothing to ground me, nothing to hold on to. It's like your arms are kind of flailing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Can you explain your four phase method of soul weaving? I would love to. Yay. <laughs> so phase one is a tune where we um, let in what's really there and get okay with what feelings are present, like be in the now. Um, and we make a conscious intentional decision to walk through the healing portal right like so we're not gonna stuff our feelings we're not gonna like pretend they don't exist we're we're making a conscious decision to say like yes I this is a big loss I can see that there's also healing available here and I'm gonna move into that 
which brings us to step two, which is release, where we uh, learn those threads that are discordant, that aren't ours to carry, that are maybe related to the culture around us that tell us that we're not good enough or tell us that we have to be a perfectionist or tell us that we have to be a certain size or all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Or related to stuff passed down from our parents, like my own example of disordered eating. And we use guided imagery to identify those threads and unweave them. Like literally, you know, the, the guided visualization is picking them out and releasing them. Um, And brings us to step three, which is reclaim um, where we identify those parts that we've sort of jettisoned over the years in order to survive, right? Like it's, I mean, we've made it here, we've survived. And maybe there are some parts that in order to do that, right? Like messages we got that it's not okay to be you in this way or, traumas we suffered that like in order to keep moving forward we had to sort of like cut off and not really look at that or whatever so we're gonna kind of collect those parts and give them some love and care and then reweave them back into the tapestry okay Uh, and then phase four is anchor where we like we um ground ourselves ground the tapestry like into yourself into your soul ground ourselves like kind of into the earth Mm-hmm. so that we're not untethered anymore like we we feel our feet on the ground we feel kind of put back together and leave with sort of the knowledge of like when you feel these things like something that's discordant or something like now you know how to kind of do this work on your own right mm-hmm. like how to go back and notice oh this is like a shadow of that thing that I worked on in soul weaving, I know how to take myself through that process a little bit and ground myself again and sort of be in relationship with wholeness and authenticity in a different way than I've ever been before. Mm-hmm. Do How long does that process take on average? Um, so I have a group program that's 15 weeks. Okay. And it begins September 10th um, and runs through mid-December. And I also do a one-on-one program where I do it in eight weeks. And it's just a little bit, I mean, because it's one-on-one, it's a little bit more intensive. Intense. Um, Yeah. Okay. Is it possible for somebody to figure out how to reweave your soul on your own? uh, After my mom died, I took a 12-month sabbatical and took myself through this whole, like, went through this whole journey right Mm -hmm. um and so it's possible um what i it's certainly shorter to do it with someone who's already done it right in the sense that like i've created this framework Mm -hmm. um but i've done it on my own you can do it on your own i think there are some elements that are important it leans deep into spirituality and soul work so Mm -hmm. if you find your own soul healing folks then absolutely Mm-hmm. But without knowing the exact guidance, it's kind of hard to know exactly where to direct yourself. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, I mean, I think something that happens when we suffer a big loss that I've noticed is that when you feel untethered, it's hard to put the framework together for yourself. Sure. You can't think yourself out of thinking. Right, exactly. So it's, I think it's absolutely possible to, I mean, here I am, I engage in self-healing all the time, right? So I Same, think yeah. definitely... <laughs> It's definitely possible to create your own process and work with your own healers and mm-hmm. get it done. 
Mm-hmm. But when you're kind of in that flailing state, it's kind of like it would, it's nice to have a person to hold you accountable and to guide you through it when it almost would be a, a sense of like how you talk about the leaf floating in the wind. It would be a little bit sense of grounding to be like, yes. okay, I have this yes, at least. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like okay. I'm creating this framework in this container to hold you so that you can do this work and you don't have to worry about the container right. and worry about like what the next step is. Sure. Okay. What skills would you say the somebody needs to practice on a daily basis in order to start reweaving their soul? I think the most important thing is this idea of like feeling your feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I just, I think that's like a foundational piece of mm-hmm. any healing work is, is not bypassing what's actually happening for happening for you. Mm-hmm. So feeling what's real and present right now. I feel like that was a big thing for me personally. I heard somewhere I read in a book or something like that, that you have to feel all the way through those feelings, like you're saying. And it's it was such a turning point for me because I always felt like I had to suppress them. Like you have to shove the feelings down and and don't focus on it. And I'm going to focus on being happy and I'm not going to like do all of that. But yeah. it's right. You have to be able to like... Like, what does that look like to be able to feel all the way through your feelings? What are some thoughts that you're having when that's happening? I like to um, direct people out of thinking and into feeling, right? So it's like not thinking so much, but being with. And sometimes I describe it as like taking the elevator down from your head into your like, mm. torso and paying attention to like what what is present there, but not asking like, why am I feeling this? You know, like that's coming back up to thinking, right? Why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't be, what is, what is that related? Like, this is like, just kind of a noticing like, oh, I, I'm noticing a tightness in my chest or I'm noticing like, what feels like rocks in my belly, right? Like we don't even have to name, I'm sad, Mm -hmm. I'm angry. Why do I feel whatever? We can just say like, the physical sensations, which allows whatever's there to be mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Without I like the that. Yeah, I like that. Without the label, without ha- – because I feel like that's what you hear a lot of is like, okay, identify the problem and then try to figure out why the problem's happening. But it doesn't yeah, have to be exactly. that complicated. Yeah, <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't, right? Like we all know what it feels like when it, when something happens and it feels like you kicked in the gut or it mm-hmm. feels like you, you're like there's an elephant sitting on your chest or like we don't have to call it anxiety or whatever. We, oh, man, it, I just feel. Ugh. Yeah, totally. I think wholeness is a dance. Like I think. It's not a linear thing that takes you from like shattered to whole, right? I think like we can go from shattered to being in relationship with wholeness, which means that like we're sort of paying attention to when we, when something is askew or when something is off and, and we know what it feels like to be more whole. Mm -hmm. So we can identify when something is askew and we can kind of like do the work to like wrap things back together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm always careful to not say that healing is linear, right? Because like, like there is an end. Mm, <laughs> yeah. End state. <laughs> so that's, I was actually going to ask you that question. So you think then that it's, is there ever a point that your soul is rewoven or it's just like a constant reweaving that you're doing? Yes. And yes. Okay. 
<laughs> I, think, I think, right, like going through a process that's um, my process or your own process, whatever, that mm-hmm. like attends to these various weaving and unweaving things puts you in a greater state of wholeness, right? right? A greater state of a more whole version of you, more whole, more whole, more authentic, solid, grounded. And then you move through the world and you bump into shit. Mm-hmm. You bump into shit, right? Like you bump into old traumas, you bump into like whatever. And then like you'll know when there's a little, mm, need to give some attention to that. Yeah. But I think the state of being after the, after like some very intentional healing and reweaving is a more wholeness based state if that makes sense absolutely so you can reach this like rewoven self but like you're saying you still bump into shit and experience life and stuff happens that you're gonna have to tweak like fix the tapestry patch it a little bit exactly exactly like when you pull your sweater right like you walk by the front door and you pull your sweater dang it and then you have to like Right. You still have the whole sweater. The whole thing didn't fall apart. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Got it. Sweet. You pulled a thread of the sweater, but like no one came along with a scissor and went. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And then that would be when you have to maybe start over if something new like that were to happen again. Okay. But I don't know that you'll ever need to start over. Right. Like I think even if you suffer another shattering loss, the sweater will stay in a more whole state than it did the last time. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You would have the tools and the skills from the first time to apply it to the new time. Okay. Exactly. What would you tell a person who's freshly experienced loss and is just looking to stop the pain? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to say that there's no way to stop the pain. Unfortunate. Um, (laughs) I know it is. It is. So I would acknowledge that pain sucks Hmm. Um, and loss sucks. Um, And I would say to create some space to let the pain move through you, but not so much space that you're drowning, right? Like if you have experienced a fresh loss, you don't want to approach the pool of pain and dive into the deep end, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like if, but you do want to experience and feel your feelings, right? So feel your feelings and then sometimes you might want to distract yourself by looking at Facebook for a little while, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or, yeah, or whatever. Um, it, it, because sometimes it's just a little too much, right? Yeah. Right. Especially so, at the beginning. But so it is okay to cause those distractions. It's just you have to allow yourself to feel the feelings and. Like, I'm trying to understand the difference between like looking at it head on and is that going to get you closer to a state of less pain quicker or just ignoring that obviously isn't going to help the problem yeah so shoving it down and ignoring it mm, I, I like to think of it like like a dam right like if you if you dam it up right what's going to happen is it's going to like yeah a giant wave and mm-hmm. knock you flat so to feel what's present and if I'm being honest like Research says that the feelings that we're trying to avoid typically move through us in like 90 second increments. Yes, I've heard that. Let let it in, be with it. And when you need a break, take a break, right? Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. Um, and and I and I'm not definitely not advocating, you know, any kind of self-harming techniques. No, 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 no. Numbing with alcohol or anything like that. No, absolutely um, not. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you need a little Facebook or you need a 
you need to read a book or you need to go for a walk or you need to like move your body, right? Like balance. Yes. I like the idea of taking a break. Like you said that it's like, okay, you have to do this work. Like you're going to have to look it in the face because otherwise it's never going to go away. But if you, you know, if it's getting to the point that you're like rolling on the floor crying, you're like, all right, (laughs) maybe I need to walk outside, take a breather. Yeah. Yeah. Get outside, feel the air, feel the like, um, feel the sensations on your body, pay attention to your breath, pay it like get mm-hmm. kind of out of the thinking about it. And, right. Cool. Um, I also have a free gift for your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And that is all that can also be helpful in the just it fits right here, right? Like the um, it's called the Untethering Loss Care Package. Okay. And it's three audios to bring you comfort when you're feeling lost and alone. And so they're really kind of doing what you and I are just talking about right now, like helping you feel your feelings and kind of be a little bit grounded within the pain, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So um, it's a useful, comforting thing that people, even if you haven't suffered a loss, might um, find useful because we can all use comfort sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put that in the description of the show so that they have access to it. That would be great. Yeah. Awesome. How long did your transformation take? And was it like night and day like can you explain like the difference between you then and you now yeah um so I did a lot of work around things that um had plagued me for a very long time uh the disordered eating piece like this thread that was woven through my system of not enoughness and so that thread I replaced it with what I call always worthy Mm -hmm. so I think and I did a whole bunch of work healing uh, reclaiming parts of my soul that had been lost to sexual trauma over the course of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I don't know that it's a night and day thing, but my internal system and my ability to see my shininess. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. Like to see my shininess, to show up in the world as more confident, more empowered, more whole, more myself, right? Like Mm -hmm. not, Sometimes I think of like trauma, like it, it kind of covers you over like with sand. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's like, I, I like took off the sand so that I could be like a shiny penny again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I am really here for all of these visualizations. Like you said it in the beginning, but all of yeah. your examples include them. And I just like, it makes it so much easier to understand. I, I love that because to- yeah. it's totally what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that it's resonating. I, I love metaphors. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> it makes everything make sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's like one of the biggest powers of this program is that it's it relies it, it's all guided visualization. So mm-hmm. for people who appreciate metaphors and can take those words and create visuals from them, it mm-hmm. can be a powerful experience. Absolutely. I appreciate what you said too about it not being night and day because I feel like that's a common misconception that people think like once they start doing this like soul work, healing work, that it's just gonna be like, all right, now I'm better, everything's great. And it's just yeah. like it like you were saying earlier, it's just always a continuation. You have the the base you know you know you've reweaved the soul but you'll get a snag and you'll have to deal with it yeah exactly and mm-hmm. each time you do something like this right you come up with more with a better felt sense mm-hmm. of like what it feels like to be woven like what it feels like for the sweater to have no snag so you can better see when there's a snag and like attend to it oh, sooner okay. than later. sure okay that totally makes sense 
what does a person with a healed soul look like? What are some like characteristics of that person? I think they're more confident, okay, more uh, empowered to make decisions, to know who they are, speak up for themselves, make decisions that are in deeper alignment with their own inner truth versus mm-hmm. what culture tells them they should do. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that come like do you think that comes I don't want to say not easily that's not the word I want to use but do you think that that comes with like you weave the soul and then suddenly you have these like characteristics like I feel like a lot of the time I will be or I used to be like okay I'm gonna read this book and I'm gonna listen to this podcast and I'm gonna learn confidence I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna carry that with me till the end of time and it doesn't always resonate with me or what I've learned fades over time but it sounds like if you do this like reweaving of the soul you focus on yourself of healing yourself that those things kind of fall in place is that true or do you still feel like you have to like put intention towards those specific areas sorry I feel like I'm repeating myself but I'm gonna say I think both of those things are true (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) um I think it gets easier to be intentional about that okay because I think that when you do deeper so like I think when you if you read a a self-help book um, which I love. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> um, I, I think it's external. But when you do this type of soul healing work, right? Like it's internally shifting pieces of your inner landscape. Mm-hmm. And so I think to do them in conjunction, right? Like to shift those inner landscape pieces and then to be intentional about how you move through life, I, I think together is is like the most powerful. Totally. Thing, right? But but I think it's easier to be intentional about that once you've done this mm-hmm. healing work. Yeah. I feel like it's easier to understand even what you're you're trying mm-hmm. to do, like building those skills. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. What do you think is the most common reason people are held back from reweaving their soul? I think maybe they don't know that it's an option or possible. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, especially if we're... Mm, stuck in like stuck in what the culture tells us like oh I shouldn't be feeling like shitting all over ourselves right like I shouldn't yeah oh my god you said something about that (laughs) (laughs) like I shouldn't be feeling my feelings I should I should be over it I should give you know then we can't we can't move forward without being where we are first and so I think like when we fall victim for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. to the cultural messaging then it's an obstacle for a healing mm-hmm. can be an obstacle yeah. for healing. Absolutely. Okay. I, I've been getting a lot when I've been having, um, when I've had guests on they a lot of the time and I ask them that question of like, what's the most common reason X, Y, and Z. That's what they yeah. say typically is that people just aren't aware of it. And I just think that that's yeah. so funny that it's like, if you're not, I don't know, opening yourself up to what you could have, or you just don't even know that that is possible. Um, with the getting caught up in the culture, I think too, that like you can get caught up in the issues, right? Is that something that you think like you get caught up in your own adversity, you get caught up in Mm -hmm. like, oh, life is happening to me. And you have all of these rips all over your tapestry that it's like, you don't even know where to begin. Is that Mm -hmm. a common thing that happens or no, not so much. Yeah, I could see that being possible. Um, I think when we get caught up in thinking about it versus feeling, 
then it's much harder to move into healing, right? Because healing is all about feeling mm-hmm. and going inside and thinking about my problems is kind of like up here in your head and also like a little bit more external, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Why did you choose to gear your practice towards women? I think women have some unique cultural chains Mm -hmm. from growing up in a patriarchal system that tell us how and who we're supposed to be that it is not necessarily true to who we are um and so I think it's a a unique you know like a piece of that is constantly feeling like we're not enough or constantly you know being sucked into diet culture or constantly feeling like we have to overproduce in order to have any value whatsoever Mm -hmm. Um, and th- those are all, to me, threads of the patriarchal system that keep us down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, it, and to be clear, patriarchy affects men as well in, in not good ways. I mean, it does give them the power, but it also impacts mm-hmm. them negatively in lots of ways. But I don't, that's not my lived experience. My lived experience is of being a woman sure. within a patriarchal system and how I see that as threading its way through my whole upbringing and my whole life. And like, I don't want to carry that shit. (laughs) Yeah, right. Absolutely. And I think like as our society shifts too, and we aren't like, I feel like we used to be held in those confines, like that we were supposed to be there. And as like feminism and all of these things are coming into place and it's very well known that we don't have to follow those things. We don't think about the ways that we have to actually now unte- or, um, unweave. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the these things that have been ingrained from generations and generations and generations yeah. of your like family teaching you these specific ways are just the way that people's brains like biologically operate. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, what is some common patriarchal threads that have been weaved into us? I think that well, a lot of us carry this in like not enoughness, right? And this, well, perfectionism is one for sure. I'm blown away by that because I just thought that that was like a who I am type of thing. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that like a threat of this patriarchy. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. I mean, uh, perfectionism, uh, not enoughness or feeling like you're too much, right? Like those are like the flip side of kind of the same thing, right? Like, oh, I'm too much or I'm not enough or both. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling like we have to do things in order to be lovable mm-hmm. um, versus just being lovable because we exist. Oh my God. Yeah. Totally. Right, but I have to do things right for, for me, a piece of my <laughs> childhood, well, teenage and early twenties, right. was like a lot related to sex and in order to be valuable and lovable, you had to perform. Mm-hmm. And like perform in a sexual way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. that, 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 and I mean, that's not true. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> um, I, that's not where my value comes from. Right. That's not where my worth comes from. And that's not where my lovability comes from. But yes. like we've been, a lot of us have been conditioned to believe that. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Like it's, yes. it's, it, it takes away our ability to, give a true yes um because because it's harder to say no because we're not going to be loved and we're not going to be taken care of and we're not going to be desired yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like you almost start to identify yourself with it that you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm for lack of a better word, like, oh, I'm a prude or, oh, I, you know, guys won't want to be with me or he's going to think X, Y, and Z about me instead of, and then it's like, then you're doing things you don't want to do. Right. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. That's so interesting. And it's like, I laugh because it's just, when you say it, it sounds so obvious. Like, oh my God, like no shit, no shit that that doesn't <laughs> like make me lovable, but it, it's like so ingrained in the way that we operate that you think that that's the truth. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Are there commonalities in women that cause untethering or is it, do you think it's universal between anybody that anybody experiences adversity and can become untethered? I think anyone can become untethered, but I think, and I think that a lot of um, patriarchy has caused us to believe that our worth comes from serving others, men in particular, right? Like, um, and so if, our heterosexual partner cheats on us and our whole value was based on being a wife our entire sense of self is ruptured at that point right like this is I've dedicated my whole life to this and how and what now what am I if if clearly I wasn't a good enough wife to whatever whatever right like back to what we were just talking about (laughs) no yeah um but I think there there are some ways um and Emily Nagoski talks about this in her book that I cannot put my finger on right now. <laughs> uh, but she talks about um, being versus doing, like people who are being people versus doing people. And women are doers, right? Like we have to show up and do the things. Mm-hmm. And so when when something goes wrong and we've done all the things, it hits our sense of value in a different way. Mm-hmm. Totally. What is divine feminine spirituality and what does it mean to have it? Mm. Um, s- very simply put, uh, divine feminine spirituality is spirituality uh, that sees the divine with a female face. Okay. I mean, so that's my simple, very simple, simple, simple Cliff's Notes version, right? Sure. Um, for me, I see the divine as goddess versus like um, a God, the father type of thing. Like that just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You mean Um, spirituality, like, like believing in God, you think goddess over that. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Cool. It's a, a spirituality that is like mm, intrinsic. Like it's, lives inside of me like to me goddess lives inside of me and outside of me but but my connection with the divine is sort of a lived connection like it's present I agree that's um, always and um you know it's not reliant on religion and whatever right right like this constructive way uh, conventional way okay Mm -hmm. okay cool how can you begin to embrace that or embrace your feminine energy um feel your feelings (laughs) (laughs) just like stop making me say the same thing over and over again (laughs) i mean we all need to hear it a lot over and over again i got my start with some place called the awakening women institute online um and it's the primary teacher is Shamali Ardog and she's absolutely amazing. And they do um, like 
three week long spiritual practice that you can kind of do on your own online. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really, that's one way to um, dip your toes in. The thing that I love about spirituality and mine in particular is I've kind of created what works for me. And I think that you can do that with spirituality in a way that you can't do with religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so find what works for you. There are lots of books, <laughs> lots and lots of books. <laughs> okay. But right. Like re- finding what resonates with you and works for you and going with that instead of trying to like force yes, what exactly. works for somebody else. Okay. Right. Which comes back to feeling the feelings, right? Right. Like feeling like understanding what is discordant for your system and what resonate like oh yeah that feel like I feel this scene or I feel like I really connect with this particular person doing this particular thing or this particular book or this particular picture of this particular goddess or whatever it is right Mm -hmm. like it it, it's paying attention to how that lands inside okay so are there specific signs that you're connected to that feminine spirituality feminine energy or is it something that you decide? How does what does that look like? I'll, I'll tell you my story, and then uh, um, so for me, one day I was sitting on my couch, and this was about eight months before my mom died, and I just decided to look up goddess tattoos, hands <laughs> for no reason whatsoever, right? Like, so I have a whole bunch of tattoos. Um, every single one of them has been like um, has marked something in my life. That's vitally important to me so it's not normal for me or it it is it was out of the norm for me to decide to randomly look up pictures for tattoos right okay so I started doing that for whatever reason and saw one or two that resonated and then I was like oh I need to know the story about this goddess so kind of went down the rabbit hole to learn about this thing and then um I kept feeling resonance inside of me like oh this really resonates oh wow this is okay. And then I reached out to a friend who I knew had kind of been in this realm. And I said like, Hey, I'm feeling like I need to know more about this. How do I start? Where do I go? And she said, uh, go to awakening women Institute. (laughs) Um, And so I did that. Um, and so it's my belief that, uh, because this was about eight months before my mom died. It's my belief that goddess was kind of calling me to begin Mm -hmm. this work in preparation for my mom dying oh okay um that like because I laid I spent eight months laying this foundation of developing spiritual practice and without even necessarily knowing why yeah I just that's crazy I follow follow. yeah that's crazy that's awesome yeah Uh, can you like turn yourself off to it like if you yeah. yeah okay I mean I think um, patriarchy does works hard to turn us off to to seeing anything divine with feminine face right okay yeah totally. um, and I think you know like you'll you'll you know people will say it's blasphemous or it's this or it's that and and I mean I don't believe in any of that stuff yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so yeah I think I think if you have a strong belief that God should look a certain way. So we're back to shoulding again. Like Mm -hmm. it should be this way. I should believe this. I should feel this. I shouldn't feel these other things. Then yeah, that's a big, that's a big block, right? Like versus taking off the shoulds and feeling into what is 
oh, what is, is, oh, I'm drawn to this thing. Let me learn more about it. Okay. What does it look like to totally step into this feminine energy? Like, what does your mind space look like? What does, how do you act? What are some characteristics of that? Um, it's a, there's a lot of in, relying on intuition. There's a lot of paying attention to the inner landscape. Um, for me, I check in a lot with my guides for lack of a better term and, and ask for guidance when I need it. So it's a lot of kind of relying on what messages I get, what my gut says, what my intuition drops in. It's, and like you said, just following it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also, I like to think of it as resting back into the flow around me. So instead of like forcing or over efforting or like, yeah. it's, it's like resting back into the river and just letting it carry me where I need to go. Okay. How do you then perceive taking action on things that you want to achieve versus following that flow? <laughs> that's a really great question (laughs) so I do a lot of paying attention to my nervous system so I know that when I'm doing something that's over efforting like it tends to feel very jittery like I've had a lot of soda Mm -hmm. yeah I I really do that or like caffeine or something yeah no 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 whatever versus Mm -hmm. like okay what is the next right thing okay, I'm going to do this thing. What is the next right thing? Okay, I'm going to do this. What is the next thing I need to do? Okay, I'm going to do this next thing. Like if my goals are this, what are the things I need to do? And I'm just going to like flow through them and allow them to sort of like, huh. And, you know, I'm doing. Yeah. I'm being at the same time. Yes. Okay. Okay. I love that. That makes so much sense. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. So just a couple wrap up questions for you. So what is a commonly held belief about your role that you passionately disagree with? I don't have the answers. I am passionate about being a guide in this realm, like to help you find your way, like to hold the light, to create the framework and the container within which, and even the guided visualizations, right? Like within which my participants can, um, do their amazing healing work for themselves. Mm-hmm. How does spirituality relate to mental health? Most research says that <laughs> <laughs> spirituality, some kind of spiritual um, belief system, active spirituality uh, increases mental health. There is definitely research that connects spirituality with post-traumatic growth, which is though I haven't named it such during our conversation, that's pretty much what we've been talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which very few people talk about. Like we hear a lot about post-traumatic stress, but um, this conversation that we're having is about post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. Which I almost and feel like is more important. <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> spirituality is one of the mitigating factors that take people to post-traumatic growth versus post-traumatic stress. Okay, okay. In what ways does spiritual psychology offer an alternative view of mental health compared to conventional psychology? Mm-hmm. Um, so somehow, and there's a whole bunch of history and things written on this, but we're not. A lot of psychology has shifted into um, the medical model and it's I like a, a spiritually based psychology is 
not in a medical model situation. It's more of a soul-based, spirit-based um, soul care model, uh, which which takes into consideration wounding of the soul, wounding of the spirit, and is a whole, a more whole person viewpoint that mm-hmm. looks at healing, not from it here, take this pill or like, I don't know if I'm, am I explaining this in a way? Yeah, that's... absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds to me that it's just like, if you have chemical imbalance in your brain, go to the conventional psychology to fix that. And then this almost takes it further. Yeah. I would say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. What are some key indicators that you're spiritually awake? Okay. I would say being able to sort of uh, drop in to like the realm of like guided visualization and guided journeying and sort of connect with kind of the spiritual realm kind of thing, like connect with spirit. Um, Even if that's just showing up like in intuition, right? Like that's, you know, connecting with something outside of yourself. And and again, not like I go to church on Sunday and I kneel when they say to kneel and I stand up when they say to stand up and whatever, but like a deeper internal connection with something greater than you. Okay, cool. So like you actually like genuinely internalize and understand what's happening compared to, I like what you said about like going to church, kneeling when they say kneel or like people that don't go to church and are like, I'm going to hold these crystals in my hand and fix all my problems. You can like the crystals. I'm not against crystals. I just think that to use them more as like a, a a guidance, like to say, okay, I'm going to focus on anxiety. I'm going to, or not having anxiety. I'm going to focus on abundance, whatever it is that you're holding. Am I understanding that correctly? I think so. Also, I love crystals. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I think, I think, and that's a whole other conversation, the power of crystals. But yeah, I think, I think it's, it's like even crystals, right? Like if you're asking for the crystal to do X, Y, Z thing, mm-hmm. or sending an intention with the crystal, even that is right. Something outside of yourself that you're like connecting with on a spiritual level, even if you're not thinking of it in terms of like God or goddess, but it's like, a transpersonal, like outside of the person kind of way. Okay. Okay, cool. Do you have any guilty, toxic behaviors that you catch yourself doing? So, okay, let me say this. I tend to see those things as survival mechanisms mm, versus okay. toxic behavior, right? Because they were developed most likely as a child that helped you survive and helped you get the love that you needed to survive. And so I, when they creep up, I try to attend to them as like the little girl inside of me who needs some care and love and attention Mm -hmm. and I'd offer that to her so she can continue her healing journey. That's cool. I've heard of um, parenting yourself that it's like good to similar. Yeah. Cool. Okay. In all of your experience and all of your knowledge, what is the most important thing that you feel you have learned? Uh, That I am always worthy just because I'm me. That's awesome. That that honestly is probably the most impactful thing that I got out of this today too, is mm-hmm. the the way that, that they're woven into you and that like you don't have to do things. You can just feel things and be things. That's incredible. So powerful. Yeah. So so cool. Where can people find you? Yeah. People can find me at my website, which is emmytafelski.com, E-M-Y-T-A-F-E-L-S-K-I.com. And there's the free gift in the show notes to sign up for my email list and get the free yes. gift. And um, 
the email list is me sending out tidbits of my story and connecting them back to things like we've talked about here today, like not enoughness or always worthy or stuff like that. So I'm getting lots of good feedback on them and it's fun for me to interact with people that way. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Great. would love to have you join my email list and interact with me and also get some comfort from the gift. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I have had an amazing time here with you. I've loved our conversation. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I think we've had a great conversation and I'm excited to hear it. (laughs) 